So we want to go ahead and do a quick review of Zechariah chapter 1. And in Zechariah chapter 1, we see right here at the beginning, it takes uh, when Zechariah received this vision uh, or this prophecy from the Lord. And we notice uh, verse 1 says, in the eighth month of the second year of King Darius, and if you remember in Haggai, he received the same message from God in the sixth month of the second year of King Darius. So we see, at least in this one instance, that uh, two prophets received a message from God to tell his people uh, simultaneously. So it also says that Zechariah uh, is the son of Barakiah. Uh, and it didn't mention if Barakiah himself was a prophet, but it does go on to say that Barakiah was the son of Kido, uh, who was a prophet. So we see that Zechariah does have prophecy in his lineage. Amen. In verse 2, we saw that uh, the word that came to Zechariah from the Lord, come on, everybody say from the Lord. Because when the prophet speaks, when the man and woman of God speaks, we have to be able to trust that that word is coming from God. Amen. So it says that God was displeased with their fathers. Amen. Turn ye, uh, and I will turn back to you, says the Lord of hosts. But he says that he was not pleased with their fathers. But what he's asking this generation to do, come on, once again, everybody say this generation. Now, sometimes we, we've read uh, in that second command of God, God admitted what we call the Ten Commandments. Uh, in that second or third command, God admitted that he was a jealous God. And because of his jealousy, he says that he would transfer the sins or the iniquities of the fathers uh, down to the third and fourth generation. And I always like to point out uh, that sometimes our babies going through stuff, and we see them trying their best, but they still going through stuff. Well, that's because of the dirt that we did, or even our parents did, or even their parents did, because God says, because he's a jealous God, that he would visit, I think it's the word he used in the King James, that he would visit the iniquities or the sins of the fathers down uh, third, three and four generations. So let's try to straighten up and live our best so we don't pass our mess down to our babies, amen? Amen. Also, we see uh, in uh, the seventh chapter, we see here that in this book of Zechariah, Zechariah has ten visions total. And in verse seven, uh, we see the beginning of the vision. And in verse eight, it starts off and he says that I saw by night a man riding on a red horse uh, who stood among the myrtle trees. And then there were others with him that had other uh, different horses that they were riding as well. Well, that 10th and that 11th verse, it says something that we really uh, don't need to just go by. Uh, it talks about how uh, that that man stood in the myrtle trees and the prophet asked him, what are these or who are these, Lord? And the answer was, these are they, listen, listen now, these are they that go to and fro in the earth and giving back reports to God. Because we see if we go back, uh, I'm sorry, if we look at uh, verse 10 and 11, we'll be able to see now that God, at this time when Zechariah wrote this book, or definitely in the time of his prophecy for sure, that God had those that he would dispatch out into the earth, and then they would go back to God with reports. There's angels that did that during that time. Now watch this. How many of y'all know and understand that, there, that God still has angels that he sends to walk to and for the earth to see what we're doing, and, we, and he, they go back and give him a report. Amen. Because see, sometimes we go to read the scripture, and we leave ourselves and our dispensation out of it, and we think this is how God acted in the past, but I want to show you that this is still relevant in our lives today. Amen? Amen. So in verse 12, uh, after the angels report in verse 11 that they've been walking to and fro on the earth, they said, now notice what they said, that the earth is still and at rest. Why well, I got happy when I first read that? Until we see the writer in verse 12, the prophet shifts gears. And he says, well, everything is going good on the earth. But he says, how long, God, are you going to allow Judah? And, and uh, how long will you not have mercy uh, on Judah and Jerusalem? On Jerusalem and on the city of Judah? And then he answered and he says, 70 years. And we know that to be true by reading Daniel's uh, prophecy. We know it to be true by reading uh, this prophecy of, of, of Zechariah. We know it's true by reading Isaiah's prophecy.
that the Babylonian captivity uh, was going to be 70 years. That was already prophesied, and God is validating that here, that they were going to stay in bondage for 70 years. Uh, let's go ahead and let me see. The second vision, the second vision that he had starts at verse 18. He says, <laughs> Then I lift up my eyes, and I saw, and behold, four horns. And I said unto the angel that talked with me, What are these? And he answered and he says, These are the horns which scattered Judah, Jerusalem, and Israel. Now watch what happens to the horns. The third vision is, in verse 20 he says, And the Lord showed me four carpenters. Then said I, What come these to do? Or in our language, what, what are they for? And he spake, saying, These are the horns which have scattered Judah, so that no man did lift up his head. But these are come to fray them, to cast out the horns of the Gentiles, which lifted up their horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. And uh, the horn, uh, for most of the time in prophecy, the horn represents governments. That you would lift, you know, uh, even in Revelations, it talks about all these different signs and symbols. But for the most part, in prophetic or apocalyptic books, the horns represent uh, governments. So these are the governments that uh, turn Judah and Jerusalem out of their land. Now, the thing I like to bring up, though, right here, we, we read this specifically in Habakkuk, uh, that the people who attack God's people, they did not just arbitrarily attack God's people. They were actually working on God's behalf. Did you catch what I just said? So the nations that attack God's people, they working for God. So in other words, every time something bad happened to you, quit blaming it on the devil. All right, I'm going to move on. Amen. So then we get to chapter 2. We see the beginning of chapter 2 is the fourth vision, third. the man with the measuring line. Third. Excuse me? Third vision. I skipped the third vision? That, that's the start of the third vision. He says, and lo and behold, I'm sorry, and the Lord showed me four carpenters. And the Lord showed me four carpenters. Then I said, what are these? So that's the third vision. Then the fourth vision, he says, I lift up my eyes again and looked and behold a man with a measuring line in his hand. So th those are two different visions. Uh, verse two, he says, then said I, well, where are you going? And he said unto me to measure Jerusalem to see what the length and the height of the, the length and the width of it is. Verse 3 says, Behold, the angel that talked with me went forth and another angel went out to meet him. Once again, y'all, I'm very cautious not to just breeze by all these implications of angels. I, I want to I I ride with my foot over the brake as we read all of these visions of angels that has to do with the running and the functioning of the earth. Amen. Now that, that should be uh, comforting to someone. Because although, watch this, although you may feel lonely, God promised that he would what? Never leave us alone. Watch this. Uh, in this study, what, what, what came to my mind is the omnipresence of God. Because the struggle that I'm having in, in, in my study of the omnipresence of God is how do you take an omnipresent God and put him on a throne in one location? Because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. But then when I really settled myself to be able to understand and study this uh, doctrine of angels, now we can see how God may be, and I'm not being dogmatic about this now, because I'm beginning this study, but now it's becoming a little bit more clearer to me how you can take an omnipresent God who's, who's omnipresent, he's in all places at one time, but then you can take him and sit him on a throne. See, those were opposite to me in my mind. 
But what now is bringing to light is God can be omnipresent all places at all times because he got angels working for him. And not only are they working for him, they go back and give him reports on what's happening. How many of y'all remember uh, 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 at the Tower of Babel? Remember now, when they started building that tower, they was doing so good. God said, let us go down and see what they do. Who was he talking to? All right, all right, all right. How many of y'all remember when Abraham, the Bible says in the heat of the day, he was sitting in the doorway of his tent and three angels walked up to him? Amen. How many of y'all remember that there was angels that walked into Sodom and Gomorrah and told Lot, uh, you better get yourself out of here, the God finna destroy. So what I'm bringing to your remembrance is just all the times that angels were showing up. Hallelujah. And for the most part, when angels showed up, what did they say? What's their favorite phrase? Fear not. Amen. Amen. So it should be it should be comforting to the people of God that we have angels encamped around us. Don't ever forget that. Amen. Amen, Walls. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we see in chapter 2, uh, verse 4. He says, and, and said unto him, run, speak to the young man. Amen. Gives us a little indication on uh, the prophet's age. Said, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls and the multitude of men and cattle therein. Mm -hmm. and, uh, now remember when we started in verse 1 of chapter 2, it said it had a man with a measuring rod. Well, God is telling him, when you measure it, the city gonna be so the city has to be enlarged because when I bless my people and bring them back home out of captivity, uh, because that's what Zechariah is talking about. He's talking about the Babylonian captivity ending. And God is saying, when I bring my people back home, Jerusalem is uh, gonna be a city without walls because I'm gonna bless them so much. Look at look at how he says it. He says, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because are for the multitude of men and cattle therein. In other words, it, the city is going to be so blessed, it's not going to have room enough to hold all the blessings. Verse 5, he says, For I said, For I, said the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire around about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. In other words, God says that I'll be the protector of the city. Amen. And of, and of the people that live in the city. Hallelujah. Amen. So in verse 7, let's go to verse 7. He says, Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwell with the daughter of Babylon. In other words, it's time to come out of her. Now, when we look at I'm just doing a review. When we look at the language here, uh, he says it several times in the Old Testament. Come out of her. Now, what's vitally important in this to us is we got to be careful not to start living like Americans just because we live in America. There are some things that the American culture and the American society and even the American government says is appropriate, but us as people of God should know that that's not appropriate. Amen? And a lot of times, what God is looking for us to do is... Uh, when it's time for us to speak on whatever issue it is, God is just asking that we say what Scripture says. You can even say it. The Bible says it. That way folk don't get mad at you because a lot of us don't have tough enough skin for people to, to dislike us. So don't even put it on you like you're so smart. Just tell them the Bible says God says this. But what we cannot do as God's people living in such a degraded place as society, what we cannot do is keep our mouths closed and even worse, act like what's going on is okay. Everybody hear me? Mm -hmm. So when the conversations come up, we need to say what God said. Amen? Amen. 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 So let me, let me clar clarify this so we would understand uh, what I'm talking about. God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. So point out the sin, but let people know that that well the church still gotta love you. We still gotta love you. Because sometimes when we 
sometimes when we're giving people information that they don't want to hear or negative information, sometimes they get a little disgruntled and they begin to take it out on the person who's delivering the mail. You ever got mad at your mailman? Well, I mean, yeah, well, my mom used to all the time because they wouldn't put the mail in the mailbox. Well, she didn't get mad at them because they bought her the mail. She was just getting mad at them because they wouldn't put the mail where they were supposed to put the mail. But a lot of times in society, we get mad at the mail person, the person who's just delivering the message. Amen? All right, so we get down to verse 9, and I, I wrote in my notes that God is now flipping the script. Watch this. Verse 9 says, For behold, I will shake my hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants. Uh-oh. Now somebody read verse 9 for me out of another version. I'm reading the King James, and I want you to understand what that word spoil means. Who got an NIV or NLT? I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. So in other words, God's going to flip the script. See, the ones who was masters are going to become slaves, and the ones who were slaves are going to become masters. In other words, in Proverbs 13, 22, he says, remember, I stored up the, uh, the, the, the wealth of the righteous has been stored, uh, the wealth of the wicked has been stored up for the righteous. We call it right now. Do you know, watch this. Do you know the buzzwords that what this scripture is saying? Do you know the buzzwords that we're using right now in, in America? Because it, it's, it's actually happening right now where the rich is becoming the lower class and the lower class is becoming the, the upper class. Do you know what they're calling that right now in America? <laughs> no, they call it a transfer of wealth. Now you gotta be listening very, very carefully uh, because that's the that that's the word that's talking about what the Bible is talking about when God is gonna flip the script that the 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 the, the, uh, the, the wealth of the wicked has been stored up for the righteous. That's what that scripture means, that there's going to come a time where the rich folk ain't going to be that rich no more. That's why they don't want the minimum wage to be $15. It catches you up to them. So what me and Deke was talking about is we already know if they raise the minimum wage to $15, well, the rich folk just don't want to make more money. So the, the scriptures are being fulfilled right now in our presence. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and get to verse 11. It says, and many nations, oh, I love this point. Watch this. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. Don't worry about it. Say that day. That day. And, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And the Lord shall inherit Jerusalem, his portion, in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. Now look at what he says in verse 13. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. In other words, all the earth be silent because God is speaking. Hallelujah. And God has let us know that when he sends his son, Yeshua Mashiach, one of the things that Jesus did, one of the things that Jesus did when he came to this earth is he opened the door of salvation to all, all people. It wasn't just a, a Hebrew and a Jewish thing no more, amen? Amen, amen. amen. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, get into chapter 3. Amen. The Bible says, matter of fact, let me uh, get myself together. Who, who got another verse? Let's please start reading from me in chapter 3, verse 1. What that is, what version that is you reading? Amen. Amen. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuked you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuked you. It is not this a, it is is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Mm. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty said. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts 
and I will give you a place among these standing here. Listen, high priest Joshua, you and your associates see before you, who are men, symbolic of things to come. I am going to bring my servant, the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua? There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. In that day, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit under your vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. And that was the last verse. Ken? Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So as we uh, begin to look at chapter 3, we notice he says uh, the fifth vision is found here in verse 1. He says, and he showed me uh, Yahushua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Amen. It's going to get sticky. Hallelujah. So when we look at uh, this Joshua or this Yehoshua or Yeshua, now Joshua in the Old Testament, when you pronounce Jesus' name from its original language, because honestly, Joshua is the, it's the English version of the name. Uh, the name is Yeshua. And Joshua and Jesus got the same name. It means God's salvation. And it's okay to Google this stuff while I'm saying it because I want, I need this stuff to be settled in your mind. <clears throat> so it's okay to research this because growing up in the American Protestant church, this is stuff that you ain't heard before. And I have found when anybody come around with some stuff you ain't never heard before, our first instinct, and I'm saying our, because I'm like that too. When somebody comes to me to something different than what I've already heard, I, I don't want to hear that. Now you say Joshua and God means Joshua and Jesus, Joshua the son. Jesus. Yeah, the name Joshua and the name and Jesus' name, not the word Jesus now, because remember that that's not his real name. Uh, Yehoshua is how you pronounce it. And honestly, if you in Blue, if you in Bible Hub. All you got to do is hit that one for verse one and then hit I and T for interlineal and it'll take you right to these names and these definitions. Off of those of you uh, who downloaded the CIFR, the full version of the CIFR, you, you'll be able to see that these, how these names are written and how they're pronounced. So this Joshua that Zachariah is talking about in chapter one, this is, uh, if we go back to Haggai, hold your place where you're at and let's go to Haggai chapter one. Hold your place where you're at. Haggai is just the book before, so don't go too far. These are these are minor test, uh, minor prophets, so the books are real small. So uh, let's see. Let's go to Haggai chapter one, and when somebody get there, start reading that for me. Haggai chapter one. Amen. I'm oh, sorry, I said the book before the book after. I got chapter one. Yeah. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheetel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Okay. That's it. I just wanted to show you which 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 Yehoshua or Yahshua or Joshua we're talking about. We're not talking about Caleb's uh, counterpart Joshua. We're definitely not talking about Jesus. It's talking about this uh, high priest that Haggai mentioned in Haggai chapter 1. Amen? So as we uh, look at what the prophet was seeing, he says that he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before uh, standing before the angel of the Lord and look who was standing there with him. Satan. Now in this form, uh, the, Hebrew, the Hebrew word that's here for Satan doesn't necessarily imply the, the definition accuser. The primary definition of Satan in this translation is excuse me? 
I'm going to touch this in. The, the translation for Satan here uh, is a adversary. So not he is an accuser because the Bible says in Revelation that he's the accuser of the brethren. But the definition of his name doesn't so much mean accuser. Accuser is one of the things that he does. But the definition of his name, who he is, is he's an adversary. Now watch this. When you look at what an adversary is, an adversary, or, or let's use this for, for those of us who are athletic. A ad, another word for adversary is defense. So the defense is always trying to do what? Stop you from scoring. That's, deep, that's the defense job. And that's what the adversary does. The adversary, now watch this. Let me put this in perspective for you. So we know that the word sin comes from what Greek word? Y'all should be writing it down. Homotei. Homotei. It don't matter how you spell it because it's spelled weird. But just spell it however you want to spell it phonetically. And the word sin comes from the Greek word homotei, and homotei means an archer who pulls an arrow out of his sack, puts it in the bow, and shoots it at a target. And he misses. That's what the word sin means. It means that you tried to do something and you missed. But watch this. A lot of times you ain't missing on your own. A lot of times you have a what? Blocking your arrow. You have an adversary. So a lot of times, listen to me now, a lot of times the devil does not come to you enticing you to do things. What the devil's primary job is as an adversary, his job is to stop you from doing good things. Now tell the truth, we've been taught about the devil that he brings bad things to us. And it's not to say that he doesn't bring bad things to us, but primarily by definition of his name being an adversary, his job is to really, whenever we shoot our arrows to hit the mark, his job is to blow them or to knock them down or to get in front of them and block them. Amen? Watch this. Another definition when you look up this, when you look up this word Satan, which is Satan uh, in Hebrew, this word Satan, uh, one of the definitions about the fourth or fifth definition is superhuman. I don't really go for that one because Satan ain't a human. Amen. Humans don't get to go back and forth into heaven. Remember the book of Job in chapter 1? The Bible says God was in heaven having a meeting with his princes and the devil showed up. So and the reason I point that out to you is a lot of times you got to stick with the primary and the secondary definition. You can't, it's, it's not really safe to go down to the fourth and fifth definitions of a, of a word when you uh, translate these words. Amen? Amen. All right, so in verse 2 he says, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this brand plucked out of the fire? In other words, isn't this the city I chose? I chose Jerusalem. Let me, what he's really saying here is what Psalms 46 and 10 says. How many of y'all remember what Psalms 46 and 10 says? I, I, I say it all the time. One of my favorite scriptures. Not the favorite, but one of the favorites. Psalm 46 and 10 says that you should learn how to do what? Be what? Yeah. Be still. And, and, and do what when you're being still? Be still and what? Know that I'm God. And watch this. And what's going to happen? Because I'm God. What's going to happen? I will be what? In other words, that's a promise, y'all. Amen? So sometimes, and I tell the truth, and I'm being honest too, I'm human too, sometimes we begin to get nervous about life and we begin to uh, lose hope and faith in God, and every now and then we start to try to put our own hand on the problem and fix it, but God is saying, be still, sit down, and know that I'm God, and that I've got this under control, even if you don't understand it today. Has there ever been something in your life that you did not understand when you was going through it, but after now, three, four, five, six years, ten years have passed, now you understand why you had to go through that thing? Because life molds us, life shapes us, life makes us into who God wants us to be. And we'll never make it to where God wants us to be if everything is comfortable and going our way. How many of y'all found that out yet? Kids? 
Young people, don't worry about when things not going your way. The world ain't going to end. Amen. God is working something out. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So, uh, uh, so he's telling Satan that you are rebuked. And the reason that you are rebuked is, is because I already chose Jerusalem. And watch this. How the hook go? My life is in his hand. My life is in his hand. Elder, how the hook go? You can't make No, no, you can't. See, don't let people come to you with all these other isms and schisms. Hallelujah. You got to know that God stood out on the bastards of nothing and started calling things into being. You got to know that one day God loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son. You got to know that Yeshua is sitting at the right hand of God making intercessions for us. You got to know that God is going to send his son back to this earth one day and eradicate all evil. You got to know that heaven is going to be your eternal. You got to know it. And watch this. If you don't know it, Deep down inside, somebody can come to you with some of these other isms and schisms and change your mind. That's why you got to know. know knowing something means that you're standing over what? A firm foundation. Amen? Amen. Amen. We stand on a firm foundation. Stand on the rock, the Bible says. Hallelujah. So in verse 3, he says, Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood by him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thy iniquity, uh oh, to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And I and I said, Let them set a fair. Come on, somebody tell me what that word is in verse 5. Somebody read verse 5. Say that again. Turban. Turban. Okay, mine say M-I-T-R-E. Amen. Turban. So he says, set a, a new turban upon his head. So they set the fair turban upon his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. Now, remember now, who was Joshua? This Joshua we're talking about, who was he? The high priest. The high priest. What was the high priest doing with filthy clothes on? He's the high priest, y'all. Now, what this is, once again, we have a vision. Is that figuratively or is that literally? This is part of the which vision we own right here. This is the fourth vision. This is all part of the fourth vision. So in the, uh, no, 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 I'm sorry, we're in chapter six now. I'm sorry, we're in chapter three. This is part of the fifth vision. This is part of the fifth vision. So why would the high priest's garments be filthy? These garments and what he's talking about, it represents sin. Because watch this, because the high priest represented the people. Amen. And remember now, we say all the time here at Sabbath rest, when the prophet comes with the word from God, very, very seldom in scripture, you can read it and check me out, very, very seldom is that prophecy for one person. Most of the time, when you read these prophetic books, when God sends his prophets out, he's talking to the nation. So the high priest represents the nation and their filthiness. That's why he showed up with filthy garments on. But now, this is something we got to come to grips with uh, in our theology, in our doctrine. Now listen to me carefully because I'm going to rock the world. God's high priest who represents his people, everybody with me? He showed up with filthy clothes on. Look at what God said in, in, in part B, I'm sorry, part C of, of verse 4. He says, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. We may not get no further than that. 
You see, the more, the more and more I'm reading this stuff, it is not as though Jerusalem, uh, it is not as though Jerusalem changed their ways and began to act right. Let's look, let, let, let's pay attention to what the word. We're gonna have a problem with this. We have to change the way that we think about the G word. God's grace. I'm talking about we here at Santa Rosa. We gotta change the way we think about God's grace. Because look at what he said. Look at what he said. Because you gotta stick with the Bible. It's not, it's not, it's not prudent for us to uh, make assumptions and general generalizations about God's word pertaining to how America is today. We have to be able to get with the Bible and, and understand what God meant when he had the right to write these uh, words to the people that he had the right to. Because that, that's what I mean when I say make sure we stay and get a good context and a good content. Sometimes we try to bring the word into 2021 where the word wasn't written in 2021. Now watch this. Watch what he says here. He said that, I'm reading part C of verse 4 again. Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. And I will change thee, will clothe thee with change of raiment. Israel didn't act right. Jerusalem and Judah did not start really serving God. They didn't, honestly, they did not turn from their wicked ways. Let's go read somebody, some, let, let's go to Deuteronomy, one of our favorite scriptures. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Let's go, do, go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. One of our favorite scriptures. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. start to claim God's grace because you feel like God's grace gives you power to live any kind of way. What I realize is that because God wrote my name in the book of life from the foundation of the world, I have to succeed. Watch this. How many of y'all remember uh, the book of Acts when Paul was on that ship that broke apart? What he kept telling him? When, when, when the waves start beating the boat and the, 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 the veteran sailors got nervous and they got worried and Paul said, don't worry, ain't nothing gonna happen to none of us. Take food and water and eat. He said, because I got to make it to Jerusalem. He knew what nothing gonna happen to him. Why? Because he understand his calling was in Jerusalem. So God is not gonna allow you, watch this, stop thinking about the devil. He, had, he honestly ain't even in the equation that much. 
But God is not going to allow even you to mess up his plan that he got for you. We just read it. We read it right here in Zechariah. God say, I'm going to change your bones. You don't never see when these people come back and say, all of us, God's going to say, okay, y'all acting right now. Now I'm going to bless y'all. <laughs> but isn't there another side to that too? That I mean, we don't we if if we take God's grace for granted, or if we just like you say, just start living any kind of way, then God's not obligated to still bless us. I mean, because I was just kind of like going down and say, because if you forget God and follow other gods, He said He'll surely destroy you. We're gonna have to rethink the way that we think about God's grace. Because what he's saying here about Jerusalem and Judah, they ain't never changed and started acting right. Even to this day. But watch how watch this. Now, those of us who understand the, the uh, construction of Isaiah, the book, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is, is constructed. Remember now, the nickname of Isaiah is what? The Little Bible. Because Isaiah has 66 chapters, just like the Bible has 66 books. Mm -hmm. Isaiah is broken down into two parts, chapter 1 to 39, and the second part is chapter 40 to, to chapter 66, just like the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. So the important part about how Isaiah is broken down is in chapter 1 to 39, God telling them just how bad they are. And if you don't turn your wicked ways, I'm going to get you. That's what chapter 1 to 39 say. But when you ain't doing nothing one day, sit down and, rep and rep mess around and read chapter 40 to chapter 66. And it's all about redemption. It's all about God redeeming his people. And, and the other word we use for redeem is restored. Because actually, I think that's what the second part is actually called. The restoration of his people. Now, the thing about it, sis, is it's really hard to explain because James puts it this way in the book of James. He says, show me your faith without works. So, God predestined us. Come on, everybody in here should be able to quote Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Ready? Go. For we know that God works for the good in all things of those that love him and in what? According to his purpose. For all those that God did foreknow, he did what? Predestined. He predestined. To do what? To be conformed to the image of his son. He predestined us to do that. Now remember, this word predestined is a compound word. Predestined. Before after. Ain't that what destiny means? So before you did anything, before you was born, that's what pre mean. Before you sinned, before you did right or wrong, God gave you a destiny. Amen. He did. It's not fair, but that's the way it is. Now this is the thing about us as Christians. We should be happy about it. Amen. Hallelujah. That God has predestined us to be made like Jesus. Hallelujah. So we have to we have to be able to give latitude is the word that I would like to use at this point. We, we have to be more flexible in our expectation that a human being is going to act right to receive God's blessing. Because we got too many evidence coming up here, especially in these prophetic books. We got too much evidence coming up here that shows that people ain't changed a nickel and they still God's people. Because watch this. Even in Romans chapter 11 about being grafted in, he says Israel only been broken off for a time. He didn't say Israel was broken off forever. Amen. All right, all right, all right, all right. So let, let's go in verse 6. Everybody okay with that? Is God, now, now let me make sure we read it again, verse 4, part C, before we move on. This is God talking. The Actually, the angel of the Lord talking. He says, behold, I have caused your iniquity to pass from you. What did the NIV say? I have done what? Say it away. Say it again. Same way. Oh, it says the same way? 
Who who Bible says something different? What you want to say? Um, I have testimony of sin and I kiss my body. That's plain English for y'all? That God has taken away the sin. It didn't say they stopped sinning. It said God took the sin away. There's a difference. <laughs> There's a difference in that, amen? All right, come on, let's go verse 6. And the angel, hallelujah, amen. And the angel of the Lord protested to Joshua, saying, Thus said the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou will, now this is the command that he's given the king. Now, what he's telling the king, because remember now, the king represents the people. And whenever, whenever you, you're the priest, whenever you have a good leader, what happens? The Bible says where, where there's a good leader, what happens to the people? The people prosper. But under a bad king, the people suffer. So what he's doing here, watch, watch, watch this, verse 6. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and, and shall also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand. In other words, he's asking him to be a good leader because he knows that the people will follow. That's usually what happens in leadership. Listen to me very, 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 very carefully, those of you who are leaders and future leaders. You have to understand that when you're the leader, the people are going to take on your qualities. All right. Six vision. Six vision, verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Now who we know, who we know is the branch? Or the vine. Or the So watch what he says now. For behold, no, 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 no. We're going to get deeper than that. The branch is actually the Messiah. Look at verse 9. For behold, the stone that I have laid. See, he's using language. This is why we say all the time. A lot of the language we read in the, in the New Testament, what they call him the cornerstone and the, the, the rock and all that. Look where it's coming from. That's where all this language is coming from about Jesus being the cornerstone. He says that I have laid the stone, for behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. And what's the number seven mean? Or perfection. Amen. Behold, I will engrave the graven thereof, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove, here we go again, the iniquity of that land in one day. This is why I told you, if, when, when, if, if we were to repent and start living for God, he could wipe coronavirus out of his heart. Amen. Verse 10, he says, In that day, says the Lord of hosts, shall you call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. In other words, there's going to be peace on earth. And, and we know the only time there's going to be peace on earth when Jesus comes. So the prophet now is letting us know, first of all, the people that's representing us showing up in filthy clothes. But watch this. The only way our representatives can show up in clean clothes is how? If the people are clean. Because the, the leader represents the people. The people don't represent the leader. This is what we got messed up about the city of Port Arthur. You know what I'm saying? Thurman, the mayor. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what the marriage job is in, in, in the city the way our charter is written. All you got to do is Google Port Arthur City Charter. We have what's called a city manager, city council form of government. Meaning, the mayor's job, you can read it, it's right there. The mayor's job is to preside over those meetings. He's the president at the meetings. He calls on folk to speak. And whenever there's a, a function going on in the city, he represents the city at that function. That's his job. 
Now everybody got mad at Thurman, talking about Thurman doing all this to the water. That ain't his job. That's the city manager's job. Amen. 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 But we we sometimes we need to read and study a little bit more. Amen. Amen. So if we're gonna fuss at somebody, let's fuss at the right person. Let's fuss at the right person. Get, get, uh, direct your anger in the right direction. Amen. 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 Any questions or comments on chapter 3 of Zechariah before we close out? The prophets are trying to talk to us, y'all. Now, uh, you, you, you're going to have to discern and make up in your own mind about your Christian walk. Romans chapter 1, Paul says that they are without excuse because God has shown himself to us through the things that he has created. He says that what we're doing is we're serving and worshiping the created thing more than the creator of the thing. Now, in these prophecy books, I want you to understand that they're all about God's forgiveness. Because when we read these books, God is not going to hold, the way I read them anyway, God is not going to hold what you did in the past against you. When he shows up with his prophet and he says, listen, it's time to stop. It's time for y'all to turn back to me. Don't even worry about what happened yesterday in the past in your life. God is not concerned about that. What he's saying is, from this point on, this is how I need y'all to turn. Amen? Amen. The Bible says that fear uh, brings torment. And the enemy has placed a whole lot of fear in us, especially in this society. While the children can't go outside and play, we're scared somebody's going to kill us. You know, we can't do this because you're scared. We can't do that. Cause... Well, with all this, what we're really, really doing, and, I, and everybody notices it. Uh, we, don't, we don't really like to talk about it or admit it. But, but what society is doing because of the sin, watch this. The Bible says because uh, in Matthew chapter uh, 24, I think it is, it says that uh, in the last days, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. So what this society is doing is it's making us pull away from each other. Now some of us come from very, 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 very close families. But it ain't close alone. So we have to be careful not to fall into the devil's trick of segregating and separating ourselves one from another. Hallelujah. The church is separated and segregated. Amen. Did you have your hand, man? Amen. 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 If, if that's all, amen. Come on, clap your hands for the Lord.